Welcome to the Enchanted Ears Podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. And on today's episode, we're celebrating America's birthday. Since this episode's coming out on the 4th of July, we're going to talk all about the historical events, which surprisingly, there's been a lot that have occurred <laughs> actually on Disney property. And a lot of it's around you know presidential visits, some maybe fun facts around the Hall of Presidents, but there has been a lot of pretty significant events that have occurred at a Disney park that we were actually surprised to find out researching the show. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna we're gonna kind of talk about that since it is the Fourth of July. Happy Fourth of July, everybody! Hopefully, everybody's enjoying a nice cookout, some time with the family. But we're gonna talk a little bit of Disney. We appreciate you tuning into the podcast still. Yes, we do. All right, but before we get into that, let's cover the Disney news of the week. So I think the big news this past week was that Bob Chapek got a three-year contract extension after a unanimous uh, vote from the board of directors. I think a lot of people in the Disney fan community were hoping he would run out as CEO. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we've talked about it on the show before, and I think my opinion has always been, I think as much as maybe the fans don't like some of the things he's done, the company's making more money than it's been. I mean, they got through the pandemic. They seem to be doing well. From a financial and business perspective, they seem to be doing good. So it's mm-hmm. like, I don't think the board... I don't want to say doesn't care what the fans think, but like some people saying they don't like this guy is not going to get a CEO kicked out, at least yet. I mean, he's only a couple years into the job. You know, Disney's not a company that changes CEOs quickly like that. I mean, they've only had, I think, four or five CEOs in the history of the company. I mean, Eisner lasted, uh, you know, 20 years. Bob Iger lasted 15 years or so plus, I think. So I think, you know, Chapek's got a few more years. Now, if he really screws up, he doesn't necessarily have to last the three-year contract, but I'm not really mm-hmm. surprised that they renewed him here. I mean, I'm not either. I I think that you have a lot of good points. I think that a lot of people blame a lot of the issues that are going on with Disney on Bob Chapek, but you know, it is kind of hard to tell from an outsider's view just where the problems are actually coming from, if there's something from him. Now, ultimately, he does have the final say, and I'm sure he could make some changes if he wanted to. But if they're making money and people are still coming to the parks, there is no reason for them to make a change. There's no motivation there. And I think that, you know, I don't know if we've said this on the podcast or just kind of talked to, to each other about it, but especially with the Disney family not being as involved anymore in the like administration of the park, maybe guest satisfaction isn't as important because they're not necessarily worried about carrying on the Disney name. They're worried about, you know, again, investors making money and stuff like that. Definitely Bob Chapek has had some missteps and, you know, he is to you know blame and ultimately responsible for some of this stuff. But I think, yeah, the, you know, the board and it seems like the company, to your point, there, there may be more geared towards profits. There may be, you know, geared more towards short-term, you know, returns and business gains. And I do think, you know, like we've talked about some of the stuff they're doing of not investing in new attractions and capacity in the parks are probably going to hurt them in the long term. I mean, Universal's building an entire new theme park. Their construction is moving extremely quickly. You know, they're going to be opening in a couple years and Disney's really not going to have a huge answer to that. And I think in, you know, two or three years when that opens, Disney may be caught kind of flat-footed like they were with Harry Potter. And then that's when things get interesting. Because, again, not to say they couldn't get rid of a CEO quickly, because this is a company that has had two Save Disney campaigns to get rid of of CEOs. So it's not like there could not be some sort of swelling uh, of ground support amongst fans to make a change. But I do think for now it's 
very much, hey, stay the course, we're doing well now. And they're not really focused on the future, which I do think is a little bit short sighted. So yeah. you know, hopefully they can they can kind of turn it around. But again, not not really surprised at this point. You know, why would you change hands? There's not really anybody to step into that CEO role anyways. It's not yeah. like Bob Iger's coming back. Yeah. Well, I think it's gonna be really interesting, especially I mean, from our perspective in the next couple of years, because we haven't been to Universal in whew, I don't know. Probably five years. Five years. And I know we're talking about in the next couple like couple of visits where we're going to go to Universal. And then when they open that new park, we're going to go again. Maybe this will become a Disney and Universal Park podcast. You never know because oh, there's a lot of people who do that where they don't just focus on one of the Florida theme parks because Universal is a big deal. I mean, we don't talk about it and we might be, you know, allowing it's like you to, It's like to, Bruno. We don't talk yeah, about it. Yeah, like we might let you be letting you peek behind the curtain a little bit, but we we do definitely follow the Universal news a lot as well as far especially, you know, with Epic Universe and de- developing the Donkey Kong rides and like the new Nintendo rides cuz we grew up with the, those properties. Oh yeah, I mean, I definitely think one Super Nintendo land opens it, that's a i think a harry potter level mm-hmm. change yes. where again you know harry potter came to universal it caught disney off guard they tried to recover with pandora which is a very good land yeah and then star wars which which really pushed things forward but now that i think yeah universal is having a whole new park they're going to have you know allegedly more harry potter they're definitely going to have super nintendo i think people are going to look at disney and go well, what have What's you? Your answer? Yeah, what have you given us? I mean, you're gonna have Tron, you have Guardians, but those, you know, are gonna be two or three years old by the time Universal opens, and it doesn't really seem like there's anything major in the pipeline. Now, unless they announce something at D23, like, hey, we're building a new park, but I don't necessarily, you know, see that. That I think they're gonna probably have to throw a lot of money in, like they did with, you know, Pandora and Galaxy's Edge. But again, the rate they build stuff, it's gonna be. Yeah. It's going to be five or six years, which kind of leads us into the next piece of news that we finally got an opening date for the Splash Mountain redo, which they've been talking about for years at this point. So we have a name. It's going to be called Tiana's Bayou Adventure, and it's going to be opening late summer 2024. So again, this kind of goes back to how long it takes Disney to develop and build these rides. They announced it in 2020, and it's been two years until we get an official opening date and it's going to be another two years till it's open so again it just goes to show you even if they announce a bunch of stuff at d23 it is going to take them probably five or six years to get any of this stuff open but exciting that we got more information we got a name got an opening date so no information on when splash mountain's going to close but i have to imagine it's going to be pretty soon yeah yeah i'm excited for this i hope they take the time to do it right i mean it looks like they're doing a ton of research to try to make sure that they get really good information they're accurate with you know trying to represent new orleans because they said it in the press release that it's like a love letter almost to new orleans and so i hope that they take the time to get it right and create like a nice little epilogue for the princess and the frog because i do think it is one of the most underrated disney films and um, it is a shame that you know ray's not gonna be in it because he's my favorite but he w- it wouldn't make sense if he was in it but yeah, I think that it will be really interesting and I hope that they're able to get a lot of really new, awesome animatronics in it. Maybe they can revamp and fix some of the animatronics that aren't uh, steeped in the Song of the South movie and kind of reuse that so that that's a nice little nod to what it used to be. But I think that it has a lot of potential to be really great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing this. I'm interested to see how much they actually change out from Splash Mountain because, again, we are mid-2022, and if they're saying it's going to open in two years, that's not necessarily a ton of time to do 
a, a big changeover. I mean, Splash Mountain is a pretty big attraction. I think a lot of a lot of the animatronics in there, a lot of the scenes they could keep, they could probably pretty easily convert to a bayou themed. So I think that helps where, you know, maybe some of the stuff they can repurpose, you know, and, and add some new animatronics in there. I think it's much like what they did with the, the Maelstrom turning into Frozen. I mean, again, the layout's staying the same. Uh, you know, the ride system staying the same, which saves them uh, a lot of time. It's just a matter of changing out the scenes and the animatronics. And we also can't forget that they could have been developing for the past two years animatronics to put into this. We just don't know about it. So oh, they definitely. might already have a lot of that developed. Oh, I'm sure they have it done, but still, it's just a matter of changing all that out. I mean, that's right. going to take... It's a big attraction. I mean, Splash Mountain is not yeah. is not frozen ever after. I mean, the Maelstrom, that, that was a pretty short ride in comparison to Splash Mountain. I mean, there's a a lot going on uh, in Splash Mountain. It's a lot bigger than you expect whenever, you know, just looking outside of it to actually ride it. So there's definitely a lot for them uh, to revamp there. But no, I, I would have to think, yeah, they have the animatronics. They have a lot of that scenes uh, set up and done. It's just a matter of changing that out. They have to be keeping the briar patch, right? I mean, that's an external part of the ride and part of the no, mountain. I think I think in the um I think in the original concept art it, it was it was changed out. It was different. So I really? mean I, I definitely think it's gonna undergo some some pretty significant changes. Um but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised though if some of that maybe gets cut back or yeah. you know they, they do repurpose as much as they can just from a budget perspective as well. So it'll be interesting to see once it's finally done what they end up doing, yeah. you know, and, and, and just kind of from there. Because, again, you always see great concept art, and then it always gets... Like what, they did with Epcot. Look what they did with Epcot. They released concept art two years later. They released new concept art again, which was the same thing, but with all different stuff in it and try to make it sound like, oh, look how nice and new this is. But we're like, well, what about all that other stuff? So yeah. we'll see what happens here. All right, the last piece of news is that uh, Disneyland Hotel guests will be getting early access into Disneyland again. That's coming back. August 8th. So if you stay on property, you'll be able to, to get into Disneyland 30 minutes early. And let's not forget, Hocus Pocus 2 will be streaming September 30th on Disney+. Plus. A lot of people have been waiting a long time for this, and there's now a trailer out that looks really interesting. Um, we watched Hocus Pocus a little while ago. I think we actually maybe did an episode on it as well, but it was an interesting film. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't watch it as a child, so I think a lot of people have that, you know, that association um but i am i will definitely be watching the new one yeah definitely a good kickoff to the halloween season there yes. coming out september 30th all right let's jump into our main segment so american history at the disney parks and a, a big chunk of this is definitely you know the president's visiting uh a disney park which there's there's been a lot of presidents and a lot of important presidential events that have occurred at disney parks um, but a couple kind of just quick facts uh, and things a, a couple little like maybe interesting tidbits that you might not have known at the magic kingdom and at disneyland they actually do a flag lowering ceremony every day so if you've ever walked in to either of those parks at the end of main street there's a flagpole with an american flag flying at the magic kingdom it's around five o'clock i'm not sure if it's around the same time at disneyland or not but they have uh the band there uh, magic kingdom the dapper dan sing the national anthem and they select a random veteran to be the guest of honor and to participate in the flag lowering ceremony so it's something you can view uh, as a guest they have that every day we've not actually yeah we've never seen been this. around there for that but 
Uh, it is something, to... and, and they did. They stopped it during the pandemic for a little bit, but it is back now. Yeah, we'll um, have to make a point of actually being there at five to see it one day. Yeah, but but Disney does this to honor you know the country and all those who have served. Uh, again, it's it's pretty amazing. I watched a video of it on YouTube, uh, and it is great to have the whole band there and the Dapper Dan singing from the train display. Um, but that is something that Disney does every single day that I don't think a lot of people know about. Yeah. I'm, okay. I have a question about this, and this might be a stupid question, but. When you say they select a random veteran, is this something that they do the day of, like they do it right there? Or is this something that they do in advance and kind of invite them in? Um, I think it may be a mix because they definitely have like special guests of honor. Like I know they've had children of veterans who have served and things, you know, that they bring to the park that's kind of special. Yeah. Um, so I think it's probably a mix of, you know, there are some people that are selected for certain reasons that they know are there um, and they choose them as a guest of honor. Then there's probably also instances where they just maybe pick, you know, a random veteran who's there at the time. But the, the, uh, the veteran gets, I think like a pin and a photo and stuff. So they get like some commemorative keepsakes. They don't keep the flag. They're just there kind of for the, the ceremony of the flag lowering, but they do, you know, get something. So it's a nice way to honor them kind of a, a, a really nice event. And again, it's at the front of the park. And I think most people by five o'clock are, in the park, riding well, attractions, it's not something you really know about. And if this is something that you want to catch, this is something we could definitely do. Choose to park hop at this time. You know, choose to park hop at 445, and then that way you're at the front of the park right around 5, and you can see it. Oh, no, definitely. that That's a good point. So uh, sticking with, with Main Street, there's there's a lot of flags on the top of the buildings, on top of Main Street. They are not actually American flags. So we learned this on the Keys of the Kingdom tour, that the flags on the tops of the buildings aren't actually real flags. They are pennants because they are missing a star. So that is because they are actually up there as lightning rods, and you cannot like raise and lower them so they you but you have to legally like lower a real american flag so they leave a star off and so they can keep them up all the time yeah i think some of them may be missing a stripe or a star like like they have like a star or a stripe missing but yeah because again they have the flag lowering ceremony you can't leave the flag uh, up at night and they don't want to be constantly raising and lowering those flags because they are hiding the lightning rods as you Mm -hmm. mentioned i mean they are there for decoration but they actually serve uh, a visual purpose to hide those lightning rods so people don't see giant lightning rods at the top of main street which is pretty amazing as well but yeah it's interesting that if you look up there none of those are real american flags yeah they look close enough that you would never know i mean unless you have eagle eyes bald eagle eyes you're you're not gonna catch that they're missing something yeah oh definitely (laughs) all right but yeah so a couple you know fun facts the hall of presidents i think is probably the attraction most dedicated to america i mean we have they have the american adventure over in epcot that's kind of that's about American history too, but I feel like the Hall of Presidents is like that's the quintessential one. That's the one you yes. think of. Yeah, it is the one you think of. I, I don't think people think of the American Adventure. I don't think people know there's an attraction in that building. Quite honestly, <sighs> I mean, if you're going through Epcot, there's really not a lot of signage that says, "Hey, there's an attraction here. Come see this." If you if you go into that building, like the Voices of Liberty sing, there's you know artifacts to look at, but you don't necessarily know. That there's a, a show there. And quite honestly, you're not missing much. <laughs> I will say, when that first opened, you know, 
that was one of the uh, the most advanced shows Disney had done because they have all the multiple platforms that go up and down. Those were some yeah. of the most advanced animatronics because Ben Franklin and Mark Twain actually shake hands. They walk. So there was actually some pretty big leaps forward when Epcot opened and they opened that uh, yeah. attraction. But now you're right. It, it is kind of showing its age a little bit. But but the Hall of Presidents, some interesting things uh, with that. Found out that's actually the final project of iWorks actually worked on uh, with the company, which is... Uh, pretty amazing he's a disney legend uh, he helped walt create mickey mouse yeah. he animated a lot of the original works but that was one of the final projects he worked on uh, it's actually the only place outside of the white house you can see the great seal of the united states displayed and it actually took an act of congress congress had to vote <laughs> on it uh, in order for them to display it there so when as soon as you walk in it's actually uh, barricaded off so you can't step on it and, um, to keep people off of it. And considering how hard it is for Congress to agree on anything, it's really impressive that they actually agreed to put one of these seals in Disney. No, definitely. <laughs> but um, it is really cool, yeah, because it's it's roped off. You can't step on it. It's like a very nice like plush rug. that It's surrounded because it's real. It's, it's yeah, legit. Yeah, it's real. And it's, seal, the, yeah. it's the only place you can see it outside the White House. So it is pretty amazing. And I think... A lot of people may not know that when they, you know, go in there and walk past that. And another interesting thing I found out is is the modern presidents, obviously not like George Washington or somebody <laughs> like that. But the modern presidents as they add them, they actually provide clothes from their own wardrobe to dress the animatronics. So to give more authenticity, not only do they record their voice, uh, you know, saying the speech or the lines that their animatronics gonna say, but that they provide, you know, clothes or items from their wardrobe. I think they said Bill Clinton provided a watch oh, uh, and cool. things to wear. So they provide that to, to provide a little bit more uh, authenticity to the animatronics. Wow, that's really cool. I mean, that is one of the coolest parts, I think, of the Hall of Presidents is just seeing the suits. Like it, The animatronics themselves are really cool, but the suits that everyone is wearing, it's just kind of like men's fashion doesn't change very quickly but it does change a little bit so it goes from like the long oh, seeing tails like throughout the yeah, years oh, yeah. okay, like, what you're saying. you know yeah. like george washington's wearing like the big coat but then you know you get to like martin van buren and he's still wearing like tails or whatever i like how you just pulled out martin van buren yeah yeah it's probably the president <laughs> nobody's ever heard of he's an actual why. president he is i can confirm that <laughs> i don't know why that was the one that was on top of my head but he's one like you know one of the kind of middle presidents and you can see that like his suit is a lot different than like the other ones. I feel like Martin Van Buren stands out because he's an interesting looking dude. Like, I feel like I, re I go to the Hall of Presidents and he stands out. I'm maybe, you know, let us know. Yeah, his facial hair is very interesting. Yeah. Let us know. I think he has like a bald head, but yeah, I think he might have some, I don't know. He has, I think he, an interesting he has like face. very long sideburns. I think, I think he's the guy with very long uh, sideburns. I, I, don't I know have that. no idea. All right, whatever. <laughs> but, but the Hall of Presidents is actually kind of like a, a sequel to the first time Walt uh, and Disney had incorporated kind of American history, presidential history into the park. So uh, the first was great moments with Mr. Lincoln. Walt created that for the World's Fair. And actually, Abe Lincoln was the first audio animatronic in human form. So kind of tied into history a little bit there that the great moments with Mr. Lincoln helped kind of propel Disney to the next level in terms of technology. Wait, 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 wait. In the show notes here, you have Ab Lincoln, who is my favorite founding father. I mean, he just he he frees the country with his washboard abs. Many people don't know this, <laughs> but Abe Lincoln actually had an eight pack. Wow! So his friends actually did call him yeah. Ab Lincoln. People yeah. who know him well <laughs> called him Ab Lincoln. It has nothing to do with you know. I misspelled Joe Abe. not knowing how to spell. I type very quickly. 
misspelled Abe, and we have Ab Lincoln, which I think deserves some incredible fan art. Yes. Abe Lincoln with with oh the, my goodness. with the top hat. Oh and my just goodness. The ab show. No, he's he has one hand, okay, one hand on the top hat and one hand just like, you know, casually just pulling up his shirt to reveal his eight pack. I like it. If any of our fans are artists, <laughs> we'd love to see this fan art. You can uh, go to our website, enchantedears.com, uh, and send it to us over there. Uh, we we would love to see this. But getting back on track here. We so Great Moments with Mr. Link was created. First audio animatronic in human form. That was created for the World's Fair. It was at Disneyland. When they were creating Disney World, they wanted to do a like follow-up and expansion. They wanted to expand it you know, just past Lincoln, make it more about American history, presidential history. And that's how we got the Hall of Presidents. Yeah. And I think that that's the one, you know, we've, we've touched on this a lot, but Walt had a big interest in kind of bringing history into the parks. We're going to be doing an episode on Riverfront, which is a failed project that was supposed to have open up in St. Louis, which had a little bit more of kind of an American history and folklore sort of um, focus. They looked at and, one in uh, Virginia, too, I yeah, believe, yeah. about American history. I think that, you know, Walt wanted to almost recreate like a colonial settlement, almost like uh, in like Gettysburg, where <laughs> people are like, living like they're Gettysburg and you can go and interact with them and like they don't know what electricity is and cell phones are and stuff because they're kind of in that time. I think they want to do something similar to that in uh, Virginia with a kind of American history. Yeah, so he he always kind of wanted to include that and that's why you see like injections of that around the park. But um, he that was kind of one of his, you know, pet interests besides trains and conservation. I got to say though, between Hall of Presence, I love Hall of Presence, I think it's great. I actually enjoyed great moments with mr lincoln better i, I feel like too. when we went to disneyland last i thought it was better and i think it was better because it just focused on one accomplishment like the hall of presidents is great i think you know the, the video at the beginning and lincoln's involved in that too that kind of telling american history is good but then the whole end of just like them saying all of the president's names and then them just all kind of like waving and standing it's cool to know because then you learn who martin van buren is <laughs> but I think that takes away a little bit from it, whereas I think having it focused and it was just on Lincoln and it was just kind of centered around him. And Lincoln is a, a huge figure in American history. I think Wait, what? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, those abs. They, they, They're so memorable. There's legend of them. I think that it's better because everybody. I feel like everybody likes and respects Abe Lincoln. Like ever he's he's very well liked and known and so it's more it's fun to kind of go see him because he's like he's celebrity famous from you know doing what he was able to do during his presidency yeah, and, and i think just having it focused and where i was trying to get to is i think having it just kind of focused on one person one era makes it a little bit more streamlined as opposed to all the presidents. I, I almost think, and I get what they were trying to do with the Hall of Presidents. I think if maybe they would have focused, like you said, on Abe Lincoln, maybe George Washington, some of just like the bigger names, like the people that like the founding of the country, George Washington, mm -hmm. you know, just some of kind of the, the major points may make it a little bit better show, but it is cool to kind of see all the presidents. I, I know Disney, there's always been talk of them trying to change that because they don't like that every time there's a new president, they have to build a whole new animatronic. Yeah. They have to redo the whole show. The show closes for months. I mean, it's obviously difficult to maintain that every four to eight years, you know, changing that kind of stuff out. Um, and there, there always has been talk of them making it more, I think, like a great moments with Mr. Lincoln where it's more 
uh, evergreen and just kind of about America and you have the presidents involved, but it's not like you have to change it all the time. Um, so maybe that is something that will eventually happen going forward. So I mean, they're going to run out of the room on the stage. That they're gonna true. have to. They're gonna they're have, have to, to do like a third level. They're gonna have to actually put some presidents in planes, like hanging out, like above, just waving out of planes and stuff. Um, you could do that. Just have them like fly by. Yeah, exactly. It'll be really interesting. No, for sure. All right, so let's talk about presidents in the Disney parks. So Harry, real presidents, real. not wax ones or or animatronic, animatronic ones. ones. Yeah, th- no, these are. I know these they're are not wax, but actual. They kind of look like wax dolls. Actual human presidents. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Harry Truman was the uh, first president to actually visit a Disney park, though he was not a sitting president because uh, no Disney park was actually in existence when he was a sitting president. But he hmm. did visit Disneyland uh, in 1957. So he was the first president ever to visit a Disney park, which is pretty interesting that you know it goes all the way back to Harry Truman yeah. to, to do that. Like you, you kind of forget you know, how many presidents there have been since Disney parks have opened and how long Disney parks have been open. I mean, Disneyland has been open since the fifties and you know, it's coming up on, on 70 years. And so there's, there's a lot of history that's occurred and you kind of forget that it has been open that long. So there have been 46 presidents. And before you historians come in and say, um, there have actually only been 45 presidents. Yes. I'm aware one of the presidents and I, I can't remember who it was right now. Forever Cleveland. Cleveland did not serve two consecutive terms. So he served a term. There was somebody else as president, and then he served another term. So technically, we're on the 46, but only 45 individuals have served. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Grover Cleveland because I saw that whenever I was researching Hall of Presidents facts. Because they said there's actually 45 animatronics yes, because uh, one of them served yeah, two non-consecutive terms. Yes, he so was the 22nd and 24th president. There's another fun fact about America. There you go. America. So, but the, the first sitting president to actually visit uh, Disney was Richard Nixon, which this is pretty amazing. So, uh, but before we get into him as a sitting president, he actually dedicated the Disneyland monorail when he was vice president in 1959. And Walt had a pretty good relationship with Richard Nixon, which is why I think Richard Nixon was at Disney a lot and why he dedicated the monorail and why he was there later. But he came to Walt Disney World. He was at the Contemporary in 1973 so he was the first sitting president to visit disney and this is actually this is amazing (laughs) mind-blowing he actually gave the famous i'm not a crook speech so when he was in the middle of the watergate scandal all that stuff going on uh, on november 17th 1973 he gave the famous i'm not a crook speech that was actually at the ballroom of the americas at the contemporary (laughs) resort and Angela, you couldn't believe it. So we were talking uh-uh. about this. It was talking about you know Nixon giving the I'm not a well, crook speech. And you're like, did he do that at Disney? I'm like, yeah, was that the contemporary? Well, when I was reviewing the, the show notes, I said something about, you know, oh my gosh, like Richard Nixon, like that's a weird connection. I can't even remember what, it, what it we said. And you were like, well, if you looked like literally one down, he gave his I'm not a crook speech there. I'm like, that's not even real. Well, I told you that. Yeah, you thought it wasn't real, but he did. So uh, next time you're at the Contemporary Resort, if you want to go to the Ballroom of the Americas, which I think next yeah. time I go, I may we're gonna have to swing on over, walk around and see it. That is a, a major place in American history. Yeah, I think that's really cool that that happened there. I mean, everyone, even if you don't know much about you know Richard Nixon, that's the one thing that everyone that's the impersonation. I'm not a crook. Like 
everyone knows that. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. He he had a televised event there. He held it at the Contemporary, and he and he gave that speech, and it kind of just you know lives on in Disney history. But that's also interesting that that was the first time a sitting president visited a Disney park, and that's what Maybe. happened. I was gonna say, well, now more many more presidents have visited. I was gonna say that doesn't bode well. Maybe they should stay away from Disney no, they've parks. Been, yeah, they've been good since then. But yeah, that that was the first one. Jimmy Carter actually held an event inside the Magic Kingdom. So this is the first time where I could find like a president actually holding some sort of event. So, you know, again, Richard Nixon was there. He was having a, a press conference. Um, it wasn't like he was, you know, there doing something in the in the parks. He was at the contemporary, but he gave his I'm not a crook speech on Space Mountain. <laughs> that would have been very memorable. <laughs> That would have been very memorable. He well, then took a press conference on a ride. And it's dark inside, so you can't tell if he's lying or not. It's perfect. There you go. But Jimmy Carter, they had the, the 26th World Congress of the International Chamber of Commerce in 1978 and actually held that inside the Magic Kingdom. Uh, and then the last kind of piece of memorable presidential history, because again, like you said, basically all of the presidents now have visited in one form or another. Yeah. You know, so I mean, they either go while they are a sitting president, they're visiting for some reason, or, you know, after they leave the presidency, they visit again. Like, I believe Jimmy Carter, after he was president, uh, was at an event in Anaheim and wanted to go for a run. Disney opened the park so that he could go run in the park. Did He ran Disney. Yeah, he basically started <laughs> Run Disney because I think like the Secret Service you know, they didn't want him running out in the open. So yeah. he ran through the park before it opened in an empty Disney park. This, okay. But he wasn't, right. he wasn't an active president I at that point. I have never, ever wanted to be president of the United States. Some people, you know, that's a goal of theirs. Now, now that's my new goal because I want to run <laughs> in the parks by myself with no one but, well, no one, air quotes, the Secret Service is everywhere, I'm sure, so, but no on. one there. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> you want to become president... <laughs> Not to like help people or do good or anything. I mean, you know, that would be a really just, nice side effect. You want to do that just to run in an empty Disney park. A Being couple things would be the worst job. A couple things you do know. Okay, it's not empty when you do run Disney, so I'll give you that. You probably, if you had enough money, could just pay Disney. I don't think you have to be president <laughs> to get into an empty Disney park. I'm pretty sure if you had, and probably not even that crazy an amount of money uh you know it's probably a lot but listen, not listen, nothing this is you know, unraveling not, the more not we millions th- not this is millions. unraveling a lot the more we think of you it. could pay to run in an empty disney park i i pretty much guarantee it so i don't think you'd need to be president to do it but hey if that's what you want to do that's fine nope I've so, re- I, I i repeal this already <laughs> I, do, I do not want to be president all right but so so again so jimmy carter after he was president you know he was in a disney park and again i think you know every president has, has visited uh, in one way or the other um but the other interesting kind of event that occurred for a sitting president that actually had an event in a park was ronald reagan so when ronald reagan uh, had his second inauguration it was actually so cold in dc i think it was like seven degrees out it might have even been colder than that but it was so cold that they could not have the outside event so typically when there's an inauguration they have a parade outside you know the president gives a speech outside everybody's on you know the the mall in dc it was so cold they could not do that so the bands couldn't play they couldn't have the presidential uh, inauguration parade they actually I think Reagan gave a speech and they moved a lot of it indoors. They had a few bands play, but they couldn't have everybody. So because all of that got canceled, 
I'm not sure why, but he was invited to Disney for whatever reason for an event. And he decided to take that opportunity to essentially invite the bands that couldn't come and have them perform at Epcot. And so it was like an unofficial inaugural parade, but it was essentially Reagan's second inaugural parade. And here's the crazy part. Disney knew about this in advance. They actually promoted it. And the Secret Service was like, yo, this man has already had an attempt on his life. Can we not do this, please? People knew exactly where Reagan was going to be when he was going to be there. And so I'm sure from the Secret Service perspective, it was so difficult to secure everything and make sure that he would be safe. I mean, obviously, they did a good job. He survived and lived out his presidency. But yeah, that would be a nightmare. Yeah, Disney was actively promoting it as be a part of history. So once they knew this event was happening, they were telling everybody, "Hey, this is this is going to be the parade. Come be a part of history." And yeah, the you know the government, the Secret Service. Obviously, when you're president, you have to. That's why Jimmy Carter was running in an empty theme park. Yeah, you, you know you have protection issues, and, and you don't want a lot of people around it and people to know your schedule. Uh, and Disney was like, "Oh no, we'll tell you exactly where he's going to be when it's going to happen." Yeah. Um. So they, they weren't too thrilled with that, but that's that's pretty cool that they did that. I, I still don't think. All of the bands were able to participate, but I think a good chunk of the bands that missed the actual inauguration were able to go. But that's a pretty neat thing that Disney had a presidential inauguration parade. And they had it at Epcot. You know, Reagan came, kind of gave a speech before it and everything. And that's neat that, and just all of these things. Neato, man. (laughs) <laughs> and, and you know it's pretty cool you know even with like Nixon and you know all the other presidents that that have been there that major events in American history and like again that I'm not a crook speech is probably like the top of it like yeah. you would you would never know that that happened at Disney but but Disney is so ingrained in American culture and American history and and from just their attractions like we talked about the Hall of Presidents or great moments with Mr. Lincoln or the American Adventure Pavilion that they do incorporate American history into their theme parks, but then the fact that they are actively involved in real American history, I mean, not presidential history here, but even like the Beatles. The Beatles decided to break up. I believe they were staying at the Polynesian. I believe John Lennon was at the Polynesian. And I think he stayed in the room we stayed in, right? <laughs> perhaps. And And that's where he decided that he was going to leave the Beatles. So, I mean, that occurred at Disney World. And so, you know, wow. e- even that, you know, that's a huge thing in, you know, history and pop culture. And it's just it's interesting because, you know, I think a lot of people knock the theme parks and knock it of like, "Oh, it's just for kids." They kind of discount it like, "Oh, you like Disney? Like, why do you go there? Like, it's not a real place to go to. Go on a real vacation." But yet all of these celebrities, these famous figures now they're not there vacationing necessarily. I mean, John Lennon probably was, but like the presidents aren't going on vacation. But yet they choose it for conferences, events, and actual history happens. And so Six Flags doesn't get Richard Nixon coming in saying I'm not a crook. You know, like like <laughs> it's that's not happening at kind of Bush Gardens, Six Flags, like your local theme parks. Like it's happening at Disney, and it's going to continue to happen. I mean, Disney is a major draw, and it is a, a huge impact in our culture. And it's going to continue to have historical events happen. Hopefully, they're positive. Hopefully, it's yes. nothing you know negative occurring. Um, maybe another president giving a, a speech or something that that lives lives on in infamy. But it is really interesting to see how they do this and and how 
they've kind of ingrained themselves in our lives like this. And, and it's interesting because I don't think a lot of people know that that many presidents have come there, that many you know events have occurred, or that Reagan had a parade at Epcot. It's a cultural titan, you know, and so it, it's not a surprise that a lot of things have taken place there, but it's still really cool to learn about it. No, definitely. So that wraps up our show for this week. Again, happy fourth, everybody. Hopefully you're enjoying the holiday. Uh, hopefully you're, you're having fun with your family. Good cookout. Maybe some fireworks. No, no. Leave the fireworks. Dogs don't like it. Dogs don't Neither like do fireworks. Neither do cats or basically any animal. <laughs> Humans do. I like fireworks, but yes, the animals don't. So keep them away from the animals. Yeah. So, yeah. That's <laughs> Let our, this, leave them to the cities. That's our PSA. Yes. Don't scare your animals with the fireworks. Yes, please. All right. But I want to thank everybody again for listening this week. If you've not done so, please subscribe, leave us a rating or a review wherever you get your podcast. It really helps and we really appreciate it. Thanks for lending us your ears. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you here next Monday. Bye-bye.